All right. If you will, stand with us for the reading and reverence of the Word of God. We don't have a whole lot here to read. The Bible says in Jonah, chapter number 4, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord. That's an interesting thing, that a man would be angry at the way that God chooses to handle something, okay? This obviously is a man that has already dealt with the, uh, the discipline that the Lord has sent his way. Yet the Bible says, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry, and he prayed unto the Lord, and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish. For I knew thou art a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take I, beseech thee my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord, Dost thou well to be angry? Listen to Jonah's reply. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth, and he sat under it in the shadow that he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd that it, was, that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die, and said, It is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, Dost thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Then said the Lord, Thou hast pity on the, on the gourd, uh, for, for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night, perished in a night, and should not I spare Nineveh, the great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between the right hand and their left, and also much cattle. You can be seated. Heavenly Father, we pray tonight that you'd help us as we endeavor once again to look at the Word of God and to do our very best, Lord, to explain and expound what we find in the Scriptures. Lord, we know that we could never exhaust the Word of God, but I pray tonight that you'd help us to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior as we look into these verses and pray that you'd guard our lips of clay, stop our stammering tongue, pray that you'd encourage your people tonight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, so tonight uh, we look at these verses of Scripture starting in verse number one. And the Bible said, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord, and he said, I pray thee. So let me say this to you, first and foremost. Jonah is approaching the Lord in prayer with an angry heart. Jonah is upset at the outcome of what the Lord has chosen to do. Now that seems like a strange thing for you and I to comprehend, or does it? And the reason I say it that way is I find, and it, it's, it's so uh, terrible for one to have to say this, but I find that sometimes, we, we've discussed in the recent past how hard-hearted uh, Christians or hard-hearted people that we deal with in the ministry can, 
cause us to get hard-hearted. We talked about that. But I find that sometimes we get mad. Now, I'm not talking about hard-hearted or cold. I'm talking about sometimes we get mad. Carnally, we get frustrated and mad uh, by people who we are supposed to love and care for and, and, and work towards trying to help them. But here's what happens. And I mentioned this in the prayer room tonight. Sometimes we find that, that we love folk that are hurting other folk that we love. Now that's a strange dynamic to have to deal with. See, I'm supposed to love you and you're supposed to love me. But what happens if you loving me, you find that I am also hurting one or doing something that causes one that you are supposed to love pain or suffering? What do you do then? See, here's what I want you to see. Uh, this is a situation here where uh, Jonah feels like he is justified in his feelings towards that of the people of Nineveh. You can find in the scripture all the things that Nineveh does. We can look at Isaiah chapter number five and, uh, or chapter number 10 and verse number five and the Bible says, O Assyrian, the rod of mine anger and the staff in their hand is mine indignation. And so Jonah feels justified in how he feels towards that of Nineveh. You can go to Isaiah chapter number 36 and see in verse 1 where the Bible said, Now it came to pass in the 14th year of Hezekiah uh, that Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the defense cities of Judah and took them. So what we're finding here in the book of Jonah is Jonah being a Jewish man and we see that the Assyrians here uh, in this city of Nineveh and I believe if you study this you'll find that we're looking at the greater, uh, the greater Nineveh region if you will that probably encompasses about four different locations as one whole. It was three days journey into the city of Nineveh. Okay, this is not just a little bitty town. This is a, a big city. And so as we are looking at this, the Bible says here, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was very angry and he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? What's he talking about here? Well, in verse one of chapter one, we see now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee. But what we don't find in this chapter is that there was actually a conversation that happened between the Lord and between Jonah, and they went back and forth and dialogued, if you will, on whether or not Jonah ought to go talk to that of Nineveh, or preach to that Nineveh, uh, preach to the city of Nineveh about the judgment of God. And so he said, and he prayed unto the Lord in verse 2 of chapter number 4 and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before an Tarshish. He's saying I fled because I knew that you would do or could do the things that you wound up doing. So he had an expectation that God could possibly give mercy and grace unto the city of Nineveh and it bothered Jonah. Now listen to me because I'm scared that we get like this sometimes. You and I will look at a people sometimes and think they're not worthy to be forgiven. They're not worthy of forgiveness. They're not worthy for me to give my time to them because look at how they've done or how they've treated such and such or so and so. 
Now, unfortunately, when we look at somebody and get the attitude that they don't deserve the mercy of God, he does not like them because he personally sees and understands what Nineveh means to God's people. And Nineveh is going to cause and has caused and will cause God's people some problems. So it's personal. Now in the ministry, we ought to love folk and it's personal and we care and we pray and we weep and we cry and it's personal, but it doesn't get personal like it does until this stuff starts happening. When you've invested your prayer life, when you've invested your time, listen, when you've invested your life in trying to help folk and you fall in love with them and care for them and desire them, listen to me, let me just give you my, my perspective and my heart as a pastor. When we all go home tonight, you're gonna to go home to your families. You're gonna be acutely aware of the problems that's in your family. Let me tell you what the pastor does. The pastor goes home and he's aware of the problems that's in his family, in your family, the family besides you's family, and all the people that's in the church, he's aware of what's going on with those families. He's in love with the church, he cares for the church, he wants what's best for the church, and when somebody that he's supposed to love and pray for and take care of comes in and hurts someone else that he's supposed to love and take care of and care for, it's, it's hard to handle. And let me tell you what it does. It actually can cause uh, indignation to dwell up on the inside and sometimes cause you to say things or do things that you should not do. All right, so looking on here, the Bible says here, therefore now, or let's back up to verse two. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country. Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish. For I knew thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. So now I want to call your attention to something that you won't hear many people talk about. Obviously, the attributes of God were such that Jonah was aware that God was a God of judgment, but he was a God of mercy. Jonah was of the persuasion that the God that he served and the God that you and I serve had the mindset that if one would repent and one would be humble and one would, would, would care and one would pray, that God was just likely to spare Nineveh of the things that Jonah felt like they deserved. And so here's the deal. 2 Chronicles 7, 14 says, My people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I believe that still stands today. I believe if America would do right, repent of her sins, nationally change the way that we're running our country, God would do something and revival would break in this land which we live in. All right? But... Having said that, you do realize that because Jonah is realizing that the God he serves is merciful and that he is gracious and that he is slow to anger and he is, is of great kindness and repentance thee of the evil, then I believe Jonah thought he could buy that ticket, get on that ship and go to Tarshish and the God of mercy and grace and long suffering would allow him to get to where it was he was going. He was going to tax the grace and the mercy and the long-suffering of God on his behalf. 
while not sharing that same grace and mercy and long-suffering with the people that he did not feel like deserved it. Oh, man, that actually, listen, we talk about goosebumps and people want to shout in the glory when they get goosebumps. That gives me the wrong kind of goosebumps. That gives me the scary hair standing up on your neck type of feeling because here's what happens. You and I sometimes, we tax the mercy and the grace and long-suffering of God, yet we feel like there are some that just do not deserve it. So Jonah decides that, well, he can get away with it because God is merciful, gracious, kind, long-suffering. I'm going to load up and run from the will of God. Obviously, Nineveh was not in the will of God. Just to them, then God's going to probably give them mercy and grace and long-suffering and repent from the, from the judging hand that he was going to put upon them. So the Bible says here that, For I knew thou art a gracious God and merciful, so to anger and, great, uh, and of great kindness and repentance thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take I beseech thee my life from me. Now he don't want to live. Now what we've got is a depressed preacher on your hands. Now, I'm not depressed tonight, so please don't read in. I'm not giving you any innuendos, and I'm not. But what I'm saying is, is what we've seen depressed preachers. We've seen preachers and pastors and laborers and missionaries that have given their all and worked. And to be honest with you, they've given so much that they, they're so taxed that they, they get bitter. They actually get bitter towards the ministry. Let me tell you something, it's not just pastors, it's not just uh, preachers, it's not just uh, missionaries. Let me tell you something, it can be their wives and their children. It can be you as a lay member whose family can feel so taxed of giving of yourself and, and that you actually get bitter towards the ministry as a whole. That's when the devil really likes to kick you. See, when you trip and fall, he likes to come right up and kick you right in the ribs and see if he can knock the wind out of you. But here's the thing. We, we tax the mercy and the grace of God and, and we, won't, we, we get angry with people that, that, that have hurt people that we love and care for. And the Bible said, Therefore now, O Lord, take I beseech thee my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Please hold your place in Jonah 4. Go back to Psalm 73. Let me show you one verse of Scripture there. Now, we've preached out of Psalm 73. It was there the other night, but I want to show you a verse of Scripture that uh, the Lord called to my attention. When Asaph in this psalm is talking about how, uh, the, the, talking about the prosperity of the wicked, talking about how the wicked seem to have life so grand and glorious, to the point that he says in verse 3 that he's envious at the foolish when he saw the prosperity of the wicked. Then he gives us this uh, misconception or misperception, if you will, in verses 4 through 12. And he makes sure that we understand by context of the scripture that this isn't the way that it is, this is the way he was perceiving it. We understand here that Matthew 5 and uh, 45 says, For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. So if we know that, that scripturally that good things happen to good people, bad things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people, and good things happen to bad people, that we cannot say that Asaph had it right when he said that the wicked have it wonderful and I have it terrible. He's only seeing it through his eyes. All right? 
But when we get down to verse 13, he said, Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. Then he says, For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. But chastened every morning. He got bitter from the chastening of God. He looks at a world that does what it wants to do yet he has to stay within the bounds of discipline. And he gets bitter. And he says, listen, if everything I'm doing is for nothing, the world's doing what they want to, give me a little slice of the pie myself. But when he gets to feeling that way, here comes the chastening hand of God. Thank God for the chastening hand of God that keeps us in line. Because you do find in a few more verses that Asaph gets to the point where when he starts seeing it through the eyes of God, he realizes how foolish and ignorant he was. And he says, I was as a beast before thee. He said, I was less than human. Less than human. Now, it's human nature to care at least for your own, is it not? But let me say to you, you can look at an old dog and she'll eat her puppies. Oh, yes. Yes, she will. I've seen cows that wouldn't take their calves. Horses that would kick their foals. Oh yeah, there's not always a mothering instinct in an animal. And he says, I was as a beast before thee. I was less than human. And so here's, what's, here's essentially what's happening. Jonah is getting the same mindset. Poor me. I can't get away with nothing. I have left to go to Tarshish expecting the mercy and the grace and the long of God because Lord, that's your attribute. Yet you had me thrown overboard and then prepared a fish to swallow me so that I would come to the end of myself. And now that I come to the end of myself and realize through your chastening that I would be better off to do what it is that you want me to do. Now, here we are again, Lord, and you still did what I was afraid you were going to do. How can you be merciful to them, yet I can't get away with anything? You ever felt that way? You ever felt that way? Notice this. He says in verse 4, after he's done said that, that, that he beseeched, after he said in verse 3, therefore now, O Lord, take I beseech thee my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Boy, that's depression. This man is depressed. He feels plum taxed to the point that he's like Elijah. He just wants to crawl up under the juniper tree and quit. He's chased, he's plagued, he's got all these problems. All these things are going on. Now, I will remind you, what was it that the Lord done for Elijah? He sent an angel to feed him. And the Bible said he went in the strength of that meat for how many days? Forty days. How many days was it that Nineveh had before the judgment of God came? Forty days. The Lord was going to take care of him. He needed to chill out just a little bit. But look what happens here. He says, so Jonah went out of the city. The Lord's asked him a question in verse 4. Then said, Lord, dost thou well to be angry? There really wasn't any answer. We know there's times that we're not well to be angry. We couldn't answer the, the, the question honestly, but it doesn't take our frustration away. You know, sometimes you can watch kids, they'll get in an argument and you'll get on to them and you'll know which one done right and which one done wrong and they both walk off offended. They both walk off aggravated. One's right and one's wrong but they, neither one of them got what they wanted out of the deal. You understand what I'm saying to you? 
The problem is he knows he's not exactly right per se, but it still didn't help his situation none. He wasn't happy with the outcome. Now look, look if, if you will, verse 5 says, So Jonah went out of the city. I see him just mope off, if you will, and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. Now, let me say to you, the Lord did not say, Jonah, you go cry into that city in Nineveh and you preach, and then you wait 40 days and see how they do. What it was, was, is, is it was that Jonah was inquisitive of how God was going to respond to the city. So he sets up shop, if you will, and he's going to watch. Jonah went out of the city. Why? He didn't want to be anywhere near him. And sat on the east side of the city. Now, obviously, he understood and realized, Brother Marvin, what they were doing. Why? Because he was angry. He understood that. They, verse 5, so Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah, that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. Jonah wasn't all, all just internally being bothered. He was sitting out here in the sweltering heat. Now you do understand this is modern day Iraq we're talking about here. He was smoking down. He was on fire out in the heat, dealing with this, waiting days and days to see what God was going to do. Said the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. I, nowhere in the scripture do we find that, Gon, that Jonah is aware that the gourd was prepared by God for him. He's just enjoying the blessing of the gourd. Jonah wasn't aware that when they threw him off the ship that a fish had been prepared by God. He was willing for his life to have been taken to save the lives of those that was on the ship. Just throw me overboard. But God prepared a fish. And now we see God has prepared a gourd. And the Bible says here, so Jonah was sitting glad of the gourd in verse 7. He said, but God prepared a worm. God's got some preparation going on here. Jonah's living his life and God is preparing things to try to help him. I want to say to you tonight, when you get in this situation where you become bitter, Hang on, hold on, just wait. God will help you, don't throw in the towel, all right? Listen to what, listen to what happens here. Uh, in verse five, 7, it says, But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered. So now his, his shade has been taken from him, if you will. And then the Bible said, And it came to pass when the sun did arise, that God prepared a vehement east wind. And the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted. This, this vehement east wind was for Jonah. And the Bible said, And the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die. And said, It is better for me to die than to live. I am telling you that the devil and the ministry and, and you and your flesh in your desire to see things be what God wants it to be and in your desire to preach and to teach and, to, and, to, and to, to witness and to help folk and to devote your time, you can get bitter. And in the process of getting bitter and, and not seeing the response or the reaction that you want, you literally want to die. Why? Because there's no pleasure in the sin. 
So, uh, we understand the psalmist Asaph said in Psalm 73, I'm chastened every morning. I can't get away with sin. God won't let me. I, I, you know, there's pleasure in sin for a season, but then there's the judging end of God. The problem with being saved to, 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 to someone that's not right with the Lord is they can't enjoy their salvation, but they can't enjoy the sin either. It causes them to be absolutely miserable human beings. And so here's what happens. Jonah's miserable. Why? Because all of his preaching and what he's doing, he's doing because God will not allow him to get away with the sin. But at the same time, Jonah's heart really ain't in it anymore. Now we're getting on scary ground when you get in the ministry and you find that your heart's just not in it anymore. The Lord didn't ask him for his heart. He said, I want you to go preach. But you understand that we preach from our heart. And when your heart's not in it and you're stuck out there trying to do what God wants you to do, but you really don't want to be doing what God wants you to do, the next thing you know, there's nothing left to do but die. Why? Because you can't enjoy life. You cannot enjoy life. All right, so here's, here's what happens. The Bible, he says, it is better for me to die than to live. Notice he said he wished it himself and said. He wasn't talking to God. He quit reasoning with the Lord. When you quit talking to God and you sit by your lonesome and you fold your arms and say, it'd be better for me to die, and you're speaking to yourself, you've given up and quit. Now look what happens here. Said God said to Jonah, isn't that wonderful? <laughs> See, the one, that, that being plagued and chastened every morning, Jonah's quit talking to God, but God hasn't quit coming to Jonah. Thank the Lord. You better thank the Lord that when you quit talking to God, God didn't quit come talking to you. All right, so here's what happens. God said to Jonah, dost thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. He felt justified in his anger, justified in his feelings. Listen, he's not just got upset at the ministry. He's got upset at the God of the ministry. He feels like his life is being treated unfairly. What has he done? He's forgot the very mercy and the grace of God in his own life. So as we look here, the Bible said in verse 10, Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for thou which thou hast not labored. Notice, notice that word pity. That's grief. What, what's going on here? He had some kind of an attachment to this gourd. This gourd was helping him. And then the Lord has allowed this gourd to be taken away. The Lord said, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not labored. Neither there madest it grow which came up in a night and perished in a night. Now, here's what's interesting. And should not I spare Nineveh, the great city wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle. What's he saying? You're, you're having pity on a gourd that you didn't even make, that you didn't even kill that you really had nothing to do with at all, that really you should have no emotional attachment to whatever. But you're having pity on a gourd. But you won't have pity on a people. How can you have pity on a gourd and not have pity on a people? 
Now notice with me, if you will, uh, let me see if I can find the verse of Scripture where I need to be here. I believe it's 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 6. Brother Isaac was here this morning. I want, to know, I want you to notice something quickly. 2 Kings chapter 14, verse number 6. Now we're talking about here, the Bible said in verse 1, in the second year of Joash, son of Jehoaz, king of Israel, reigned Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah. Look what he does. Verse 5, it came to pass as soon as the kingdom was confirmed in his hand that he slew his servants, which had slain the king, his father. But the children of the murderers he slew not. According unto that which is written in the book of the law of Moses, wherein the Lord commanded, saying, The fathers shall not be put to death for the children, nor the children be put to death for the fathers, but every man shall be put to death for his own sin. Now let me tell you something. Jonah is looking at the city of Nineveh, and he's seeing what the city of Nineveh will do and has done to God's people. He doesn't like them because of that. But here's what he's not considering. And I've done lost my place. Jonah chapter 11 says, And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, when are more than six score thousand persons, look, look here, that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand. What's he talking about? He's not talking about the adult. He's talking about the children in the land of Nineveh. They don't know their right hand from their left hand. I know my right hand. I know my left hand. But a small child doesn't know what left or right is. He's talking about innocent children that know nothing about this situation. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, Jonah, you've had such a hatred towards these people that you can't even see the innocence in those that have nothing to do with your problem." Sometimes you and I, if we're not careful, we can look at somebody and get so bitter towards them because of their actions and the things that they do that hurt others that we love. And if we're not careful, we miss it by a mile. Jonah's only loving the way that he knows how to love. But God loves differently than Jonah does. And he's saying here, you need to consider more than just your way of thinking. You need to consider the city of Nineveh as a whole. The gourd you had nothing to do with, yet you have some kind of attachment to it and feel entitled to keep it. And you're angry that I killed the gourd. I didn't, you, you didn't want me to kill the gourd, Jonah. I took that gourd away from you. That gourd was doing something that you loved and wanted. And you are mad at me, Jonah, because I will not kill a people that you don't like that will do what I want them to do. Now, I do want to remind you, the Lord did use the Assyrians to accomplish something that he wanted to accomplish. And so here's what I'm saying to you. Essentially, Jonah was so bitter and got to the place in his life where he had such a bitter spirit about him that God had to realign Jonah. See, listen, let me say this. In chapter 3, the problem is Nineveh. Chapter 4, the problem is Jonah. 
The Lord accomplished what he wanted to do in chapter 3. But isn't it amazing that the Lord still loved Jonah enough that he stopped to reason with Jonah. Listen now, the God of heaven, the God that spoke the world into existence, hung the earth on its axis, for whatever reason took the time to talk to Jonah and listen to Jonah without striking Jonah dead for his attitude. Jonah didn't realize he was being a recipient of the mercy and the grace of God when he was talking to God out of frustration and anger. You and I need to be careful how we talk to God. We need to be careful how justified we feel when God doesn't do what we think he ought to do. God's not you and God's not me. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are more than are higher than our, thought, our thoughts. Simply put, here's what we've got to be careful about. We've got to be careful to understand that God is trying to reach people and he's extending the same mercy and grace to them that he's extended to us. And if you feel taxed in your ministry trying to reach them, imagine how God is taxed in putting up with the people that are constantly getting on a boat and headed to Tarshish. For everything that frustrates us about certain people, I find that we in some capacity still do the same things, only in different ways. You and I feel like that we deserve the mercy and grace of God to buy the ticket to get on the boat to go against His will. When if we done His will, we'd be extending mercy and grace to a people that sometimes we feel like does not deserve it. The ladies sing that song, His Life for Mine. It was His life for mine. Can I say to you, it's our life for Him. And we need to give of ourselves in the same capacity that Christ did. That's why the Bible said to take up your cross daily and follow me. The cross is an instrument of death. And we're yielding ourselves to His will for his glory, and for his honor. And unfortunately, Jonah wasn't preaching unto those in Nineveh for the glory and for the honor of God. He was doing it out of a bitter heart. Had Jonah been doing what he was doing for the glory and for the honor of God, he would not have been giving thought to who he was preaching to. He had just preached. But he cared so much about whether God would give him grace or mercy or not that he was going to wait 40 days just to see in the sweltering heat if God would kill him because that's how bad he hated him. I'm telling you today, friend, we can get so bitter that the people we love, we wind up hating. And it's an amazing thing that God doesn't do that to you and to me. But what he does is he prepares the fish. He prepares the gourd, he prepares the worm, he prepares the vehement wind, and what he does is he reasons with us. <laughs> Brother Marvin, how many times has God ever reasoned with you in your life? Brother Shane, how many times has God reasoned with you about the state of your life or where he wants you to be? Yet we get tired of reasoning with the people that do not want to hear what it is that we have to say. Friend, I'm going to tell you something. The, 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 the bitter in your ministry. Listen, I'm not talking about preaching. Every one of us have got a ministry today. Whatever God's doing with you, if you're not careful, you'll get so bitter that you'll be no good 
to God. And God, after he's already accomplished what he wanted you to be doing, he'll be having to deal with you off to the side to get you realigned so he can do anything else with you. It's an amazing thing to see uh, what the Lord has done here. Can I say to you that Jesus saved us? Now listen to me. He took, look, listen to what he done here. And he, he has taken Nineveh and through the preaching of, the, of, of uh, Jonah, he has spared the city of Nineveh. Look with me here in uh, Na, let's see, Nahum chapter 1. Let's read verse number 1. The burden of Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum, the uh, Elkishite, God is jealous and the Lord revengeth. The Lord revengeth and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries and he reserveth wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not all acquit the wicked. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm. Listen now, and the clouds are the what? The dust of his feet. What was it that he told the disciples to do when they would not, when those would not hear him? Shake the dust off of your feet. Now look with me, if you will, in chapter 3 real quick. Verse 1 said, Woe to the bloody city. It is all full of lies and robbery. The prey departeth not. The noise of a whip and the noise of the rattling of the wheels and of the prancing horses and of the jumping chariots. The horseman lifteth up both the bright sword and the glittering spear. And there's a multitude of slain and a great number of carcasses. And there is none end of their corpses. They stumble upon their corpses. Because of the multitude of the whoredoms of the well-favored harlot, the mistress of witchcrafts that selleth nations through her whoredoms and families through her witchcrafts. Behold, I am against thee, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will discover thy skirts upon thy face, and I will show the nations thy nakedness and the kingdoms thy shame, and I will cast abominable filth upon thee and make thee vile and will set thee as a gazing stock. In other words, the Lord was going to make Nineveh an, exa- going to make an example out of them. But we're going to find this is somewhere around 150, maybe maybe 200 years after God spared them. What is that? That's a totally different generation of people. Not even the same generation of people. Now what's interesting is God had mercy and grace upon them. Yet he knew when he sent Jonah over there to preach to them. That when they repented, he would repent of what he was going to do to them, yet knowing that that city had a generation out there in the future that he was going to have to annihilate. Aren't you glad the Lord saved you and me in spite of a world that would turn their back on him? All the mercies, understandable, not understandable. Jesus saved you and Jesus saved me knowing the failure of the human race. But he's still done it. Yet we get bitter in the ministry. Now, I love it because Elijah, he got bitter. God could have come down there and smacked Elijah around. God could have knocked Jonah's feet out from under him. Instead, God had patience and long-suffering with them and got them back on track Got Elijah back on track. Look what Elijah done. Look what Elijah done in his ministry. Look what he handed down to Elisha. 
I'm thankful that God has taken pains with me and times with me to realign me. And listen, he give food to Elijah that he could run on the strength of that meat for 40 days. Can I say to you, there are provisions. If you will wait upon God, God will help you. Cry unto him. Let him know how you feel. Tell him where you're at in your life. Beg for mercy. God will strengthen you and help you to pick back up and go on and keep fighting the battles that he wants you to fight. Listen, it, it, the journey, the Bible said that the journey was too great for thee. What was expected out of Elijah was too great for Elijah. So he run on the sustaining uh, providence of God. You know what you and I have to do? The provisions. We have to wait upon the provisions. But the provisions will help us to go in the strength of the meat in which he gives us far past what we can do naturally. Listen, we are a natural being doing a supernatural work. And if you don't have the strength of God to do it, friend, you will sit down and you will cry and you will say, I'd, be rather, rather, I'd rather be dead, better off dead. Listen, you wouldn't be the first person that's got to this place. You look at what God done through the hands of Elijah. And I, I hate to say this, but I don't think there's any Elijahs in here tonight, including myself. And if Elijah can sit down under a juniper tree and wish to die, you can too. And what you need is the strength of God to help you. And so tonight, here's my encouragement to you if you want to call this encouragement. My encouragement to you is this. Depression, bitterness, hatred is something that you better guard against in your life as a Christian because it's very real. And when you get that way, you're no good to God or to a lost and dying world or to your fellow brothers and sisters. And all you'll long to do is sit down and die. But the Lord can help you tonight. And here's what you're going to have to do. You'll have to call unto him. So, so as the pianist comes tonight, I just want to invite you. I don't know where you're at in your life. I don't know where you're at in your ministry. I don't know where you're at with what God is doing in your life. But I'm telling you now, friend, if you get bitter... If you allow, allow hatred to well up in your heart, the severity of what God's expecting out of us tonight. Let me say this. If you can, if you can live your Christian life and you can do your, your Christian duties and you find that you don't talk to God or read your Bible, I say you're not doing your Christian duties. I say you're not living the Christian life the way God wants you to live because let me tell you something. You can't do it without God. If what you're doing tonight, you're doing without God, you're doing it wrong. Because you can't do it tonight without God and do it right. So if you've not talked to the Lord in a while, let me go ahead and just lay this out here for you. You're in the wrong. And what you're doing, God's not happy with it and you need to get on this altar. But if what you're doing, you're doing because God keeps pulling you in a direction, but you allowed bitterness and hatred and, and aggravation to well up in your life, you better get on an altar and say, God, I need the strength of the meat to get me through the next 40 days. Because the journey is too great for me. And friend, if you'll do that, he'll help you tonight. He'll help you tonight. If you need to come, you come. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around.